Amen. It's a little uh, ironic because uh, when he went on the hunting trip, it was going to be just for a short time, just running in the woods a little bit with the dog, some training, and then back out again. But he got caught up in the moment and uh, wasn't ready. But you'll hear, you'll hear the testimony. And you see uh, a number of things here, uh, might, we might call it memorabilia and so on. And that's usually what we do for a funeral. Thank God this is not a funeral. Amen. <laughs> we talk about celebrating life. That, that's the title now that is given for us to remember someone who has passed on. Celebrate life. I'm thankful we can really celebrate life here today. Amen. And be blessed of the Lord. And know that God is going to work. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I want Brother Mike to come. We'll give him plenty of time here today. We want the Lord to use him and his testimony of how great God is. I guarantee you he wasn't sweating like this on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning. Amen. looking at a miracle and you you're part of the biggest miracle I've ever I've ever experienced in my entire life there's no way in the world I should be here there's absolutely no reason I should have lived and I'm gonna tell you about it and I was when Pastor Glover asked me to speak I told him like my side of this story is pretty dark and I'm not so sure how that's gonna <clears throat> translate into making this into a spiritual type of thing and God downloaded a revelation to me that I'm going to try to give to you as I give what happened on my side and it's an amazing amazing story I still don't have all the details in place but there were so many little miracles well, there were so many miracles that added up to this one miracle and so I woke up like three in the morning and uh, when I get steadying and stuff, I don't drink water. I just get focused. And it was, uh, I guess, roughly like 11 o'clock. I wanted to take Queenie out to the woods for a quick jaunt. And uh, I had no plans on doing anything but going right, right where the road was. I wasn't even hunting. I was just planning on going with her. I mean, I have a blue bag I carry when I go into my car anywhere that has a lighter, three knives. And I had, I had nothing with me because I was just going to go right there. It just snowed. I got, on, got her on a rabbit track, and then I found a fresh lynx trail, and I lost all control. Dream come true, and I started trailing that lynx. Jordan, I can't imagine how much fun you had going through the, through the uh, alders trying to follow my trail as I was. Initially, he was hunting. The lynx was hunting. I'm just tracking that, and then it starts to realize that Something's on its trail, and it starts to go straight, straight tracks, no more hunting. And I just got on that trail, and I just, just started following it. And probably ten times I ignored in my head the voice saying, you better stop right now. Stop. You're not, you're not ready for this. You're not prepared for this. I kept going. One of my biggest weaknesses, and it's, uh, I'll give you an example, the, in a CrossFit it's a workout program. People can get their muscles so damaged that it starts to, it tears up, gets into their bloodstream, and, and it causes so much pain in their kidneys. It's rhabdo is the uh, 
the short version of what you'd call that medically. It's never the out of shape people that get that rhabdo. It's a special operations community with the mindset to push past beyond what they're capable of that end up in the hospital in outrageous pain because of it. So they have to watch out for that. My biggest weakness and strength is I have the ability to push way past beyond what I should be doing physically. And I started to do that. And so probably halfway following that trail with Queenie, I was having trouble getting up over the logs and I knew I was, I was you know, in my mind, stop, you stupid idiot. You're not in shape for this. You're wearing yourself out. I didn't have, I hadn't drank water. I was already sweated through and I was, and I just kept going. Nope, kept pushing and I pushed beyond that. And it's really, so I didn't plan on any of this. And do we think that our, that our lost sons and daughters have planned on walking away from, do you think we, do we think that they just decided one day to walk away? I was caught up in the chase. I wasn't even paying attention to where I was going. I wasn't doing a loop. I wasn't doing anything. I'm just following those tracks. And so I was just wearing myself out. And I just kept pushing, kept pushing. It's going to be up in a tree. I'm going to tree it and shoot it. And it's going to be the greatest thing. Me and Queenie are going to get our first fur-bearing animal. It's not even season now. I'm starting to think that. And I'm like, I don't even care. I've made all those decisions. I'm going to keep pushing. So I'm not sure how far I followed that lynx. But I was already physically exhausted by the time it got up on a tree and it had run back to like where it, where it hung out so there was more tracks on the ground and I lost that trail and so it was intermingled with all the other lynx tracks out there <clears throat> and so me and Queenie looked around and we went through we, I kept looking at trees and we stayed around there for a while and and then I decided because normally if I'm going to go in the woods just like Steve Adams Jr. correctly said I would just do a loop well I, I had just followed the lynx who knows which way it went I wasn't paying attention except for the trail and so I just, instead of fall backtracking, I went, I just did like what I would do, like a loop, and I started back. And as I'm walking, I'm starting to walk. I'm walking fast, and I get chilled, and I start shivering, and I went, I'm in trouble. And that, that's just starting on the way back. And so at that, from that moment on, I knew I was, I was, I was in trouble, and I was going to do whatever I could to get out. And so I never stopped walking once until I saw a rabbit was, that didn't run away was over on my right, and Queenie had an eight, so I shot it. I didn't have a knife, so I ripped it open, ripped off chunks, handed it to her, and she crunched it and ate it, and then we continued on. As I'm walking, I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea if I'm even going in the right direction. I'm just walking, and my vision goes double. I start seeing double, and so I'm walking like this so I can see. And then the double vision turns into like a double wide vision, like it's a highway. And I keep pushing, my body's starting to fail, and I'm, I'm just walking, and I'm not stopping. And all of a sudden, all the colors become a, like a melted painting, and I go blind. And at that moment, I go blind. At the same time, my, I can't even take another step, and I knew I was dying. And I, in my mind, I go, you stupid idiot. You're going to die right here because of your foolishness, you're never gonna see your wife and kids again. And I just knew it wasn't God's will for me to die. And I'm sitting there blind, <clears throat> and I'm exhausted, and I have no idea where I'm at. And this is roughly four o'clock p.m. before Megan's even gone to look for my car. And I said, I, I started to pray to God, and I was like, I know it's not your will that I, that I die right here. And I felt nothing back. And I said, God, Please, I want, to, like, I want to live to see Megan and my kids again. I didn't get to say goodbye, nothing. So I started to repent. I started to make, 
In that moment, if, if you don't make sure you're right with God, there's something wrong with you. I was dying right then. And I started to confess whatever I could confess. And as I'm doing it, I got this just a little, this little voice in my head that, no, it's not my will. That was it. That's, that was all I got. Not like it's going to be okay. Nothing. And so I took a hold of that. And I, and I had to go into a very, very simple, very, very dark place. I'm soaking wet. My clothes are. These fleece pants are soaked. I mean, this dumb little hat here. My gloves already have holes in them to begin with. I'm, I've sweated through everything. And so I'm soaking wet, and I just had to, it would have been so easy to die, I was ready to go, I had made myself, made sure I was ready, but I had to choose to live, despite all the facts that were in front of me. I can't see, I'm shot, I don't know where, where I'm going, and I just had to get into this black hole, it was a black hole of suffering, and I just had to keep my heart beating. And I had to say, I don't deserve to die. That's what I had to say. And I just sat there and suffered, standing like this. Try not to, try not to let my clothes touch me. With no hope of survival, just that I'm going to live no matter what. That's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. It's the darkest, and it's, it, I don't even like to think, I've been thinking about that, processing it, and it keeps me up. It, it's haunting me how terrible that was. And I had to take all hope out. I couldn't have hope. And I wonder how many, how many backsliders we have that cannot let hope come in. Because with, when you let yourself hope, there was no hope. No one knew where I was at. I didn't know where I was at. There's no one coming to rescue me. All I got to do is live. <laughs> and that's what I did. I just sat there and lived. I would pray in tongues, but I wasn't asking God to save me. I was just passing the time. That's what I do every day. And I, would, I was amusing myself, you know, with whatever, trying to let the time go. I had to watch. I never looked at it, thankfully. And uh, my dog goes to sleep. <clears throat> and so then I went quiet, not to wake her up. And I'm just standing there, just trying not to let the, my fleece pants touch my legs. And <clears throat> is my... The, these little junky gloves are frozen. I then my sweat jack, my coat I have has built-in mittens in it. So I put these on. So I stand with these on, and I was just keeping my hands like this, and just enduring, and just enduring with no hope. And so, I guess it was midnight when, when that helicopter first came over and it flew right over me. And so when it flew over me, I was like, you know, I'm dressed all in that black, but it didn't see me. And my first thought was, was how much trouble I had just caused everybody. And that's the first time I thought about my mom and, and thought about everybody else that was probably worried about me. And, and so I just got mad at myself. And that, the helicopter started to do a grid search. And as it's doing a grid search, I'm still standing there. I look up, and this has to be angels then, if it wasn't drones. I saw a couple drones also doing a grid search. And, the, and as, as, as it's going, I'm just sitting there. I'm not allowing myself to any, any kind of hope at all. I'm just watching it, and this orange drone comes up on me, and it stops. And so then I'm doing what I have to rest. I could only, I was so worn out, I couldn't, I was just doing my best to signal it, and it, stops and it comes down a little bit and I'm yelling at it and I'm like 
do you see me? And it waggled its wings like this. And I'm sitting there watching it. And so then the chopper comes back. And so when that chopper, I'm looking at this, the chopper's coming back. I made the mistake of thinking I'm about to be rescued. And so that chopper flies right over me again and keeps going. Does a couple more grid patterns and leaves. And I could not get that mindset back. The, that I could not get back in that zone that I'm going to live. And so I started to spiral out of control. And I didn't know anyone was searching for me. Every once in a while, I, yelled for, I would yell Megan's name, and I yelled Pop's name a few times. But I'm just, I had no idea what all that was going on. I was just in a black hole suffering that now I could not control, and I was now in unreal pain, and I was so cold. I was dying of thirst is what I felt, but I had to keep getting snow and put it in my mouth, which made me colder. And, uh, and so I started to lose, lose sight of reality, and I started to go into a complete state of hallucination, delirium. And, and so I'm standing there. I look at my dog, and all of a sudden, she's sleeping on Aslan's stone table with snow on it and I was like that's how cool is that she's she switched from under this tree that initially was looking like the lamppost on Lion Witch in the Wardrobe and uh oh I see I, I hear these birds and I look up and there's these birds I'd never seen before in these trees big old white ones different colored ones and they're eating these like nuts that are falling on the ground and I just couldn't believe Queenie could not hear that and uh I look over and there's these like four turkey sized birds standing over here and I was just like, wow. But before that, I had turned around where Queenie was sleeping behind me, and I saw a house. And so I yelled, do you have warm clothes? And I was like, Mike, that's not real. And then a few minutes later, it was real. And so I was screaming at the house, asking for warm clothes. And uh, I heard the snow machines one time that CES was doing with their search. And I'd yelled, for, you know, I'd yelled at them, I'll pay you to come pick me up and give me a ride. And so I'm watching these birds. It's right up here. I can hear, the, I can hear them eating. I, can, I still can. And, and you can hear the, the things dropping to the ground. And then I realized, like, me and Megan camped here last summer. No. Like, I recognize this. This place is... And so I, yelled, I was yelling at the drone, tell Megan, you know, get a hold of my wife. Tell her it's the place we camped at last. I kept yelling at the drone. And that's the drone, there or not, is what saved my life. Because that's ultimately what Bone Tobias Abbott heard, was my voice screaming at the drone that apparently was not there. There was an orange one, red, uh, red, and then a red and blue one came on station. They were just hovering there. So I kept yelling at it, and I just could not believe that that chopper had missed me and that they weren't communicating with the, with the chopper. And I, could, I just was like in shock. <clears throat> and so I kept yelling at it, I'm going downhill. You know, I'm trying to signal to it that uh, I'm, I'm cold, you know, doing those kind of movements. <clears throat> and uh, I hear a next-door neighbor, this to me, next-door neighbor starts yelling, and obviously, and I, I think he's irritated because I've been yelling so much. And I'm like, I'm yelling at the drone, They're telling him I'm cold. I said, hey, do you have a snow machine? I'll pay you to come pick me up and give me a ride to my house. And that's Bo and Tobias Abbott that were, yell that that were yelling towards me. And so they reply, and I, and I hear them say yes. And so then I was like, well, how much is it going to be? And I was thinking in my head, like, do I have to hit the ATM? Or, and I see these flashlights come, and I'm like, they're on Swan Swanson River. It looked like Swanson River Road was right there, like where Maria's at. And I was like, I cannot believe I was so close. And they're walking towards me, and I'm like, 
what's your name? And, and I hear, it's the Abbott, I had the Abbott boys with me. And I was like, Wyatt and Sawyer? I, I, I was just so, everything was a dream state. Or a, it was a hallucination at this point. And they come towards me, and Bo Abbott, I still didn't know, grabbed me up in the fiercest hug I've ever felt in my entire life. And I was, I was still so confused, and I said, is this my former boss, Greg? Yeah. And he said, no, it's Bo Abbott, and I love you, man. Yeah. And that's when I started to come, come back to reality. They started a fire immediately. I tried to talk them out of it. I was like, I'm not cold, because I'd stopped shivering. I didn't find out till last night, talking to Bo, that it took 45 minutes in a blazing fire for me to even start shivering again. I was that close. And so they start the fire, and they, I guess we stayed there for an hour and a half. That's a shock to me. And he said, I kept telling him, like, I'm ready to go. And so Bo had to start saying, well, I'm cold. And I didn't know that Bo and Tobias Abbott had walked for 10 miles looking for me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize, because I haven't spent time with Bo in years. I haven't seen him talk to him anything. And when they found out that I was in the woods, this is what he told me last night. It was as simple as this. He said, Mike Glover's in the woods. I'm going to go get my gear and go in there with him. And it was the Abbott boys that found me. That article's wrong. <laughs> the Abbott boys saved my life. Everything they did was perfect. And, and, it, and it was such a loving atmosphere that they brought to me. That they, there was not one thing I could say that they didn't do. He apologized to me last night that they weren't prepared to take care of my feet. And I was like, dude. My feet weren't even cold, but like you're apologizing to me? And then he's like, go to the cadre feed, get some Arnica. That's going to help you with your sore muscles. Mike, I, I don't like to take baths, but if you take an Epsom salt bath, that's... Bo never stopped taking care of me. He's still not stopped taking care of me. I haven't seen him in years, but he's, they're my brothers. They've always been. And they showed that love to me. And they took... If I would have left without a fire, I would have died. I had to heat up. 45 minutes to start shivering, and then I was under control, just out of control shivering. And uh, then when it finally stopped, we had to walk to this lake to meet up with CES. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I was so shocked, my kidneys felt like they were sore leg muscles that were, that were going to muscle failure again every step I took. I fell down over and over again. I was hallucinating, seeing all kinds of crazy stuff under trees. And, and uh, it was, I didn't think I could make it. And I didn't know that Bo and Tobias were also thinking the same thing, that they were physically shot, because they never showed that to me. They were literally superstars, one in front, one behind. They are giving me trees to lean on. They'd, they'd help me lean on it and rest. And then we'd go, and they'd be so encouraging, to the point where it was step, step to the lake. And that's where CES came, and I didn't know CES was even involved. So I was, was still trying to comprehend what's going on. I thought Bo and Toby were just going to give me a ride to my car, and I was going to shake their hand and head home. And... Uh, so CES get, picks me up in the snow machine, and they bring me to their newfangled invention of, uh, of how they can carry a litter with skis on it. And so I get put on that litter, and I start to get cold again, but I'm, I'm, I'm so desperate to see Megan that I was like, no, I'm good to go. I'm fine. Me, Queenie gets in there with me, and we bounce up the trail, and there's an ambulance. Didn't know there was an ambulance going to be there. Didn't want to go in it. Uh, when they put hypothermia down on, the, on their report, I wanted to argue with them. You know, I was out of it. I hallucinated up until the point I went to bed that night. I continued to see hallucinations after I was warm and dry. And 
I didn't know. I've never, I've never heard an example. I'm doing, not doing a good job of telling the story, but I've never heard an example of the body of Christ coming together like the body of Christ came together for me. I was out there in the cold shivering and I had no idea, and I wouldn't let myself even think that there was anyone coming. I just had to survive. But there's people I didn't even know. There's people, there's people I'm not even friends with that immediately started praying and prayed all night long until they got the report that I was okay. All of you did. Yeah. Everybody. I can't, I, the, biggest, the biggest coming together of the body of Christ for one lost son. When the body of Christ comes together, there is not one lost daughter, one lost son that we cannot find and save. CES wasn't going to find me. They, they were on snow machines. They picked up my trail, and they did not find me. Bo said, the difference between you and us is when we get on his trail, we're not going to stop until we find him. And they finally gave Bo and Tobias permission to do it. And they didn't stop until they found me. And then not only did they find me, they gave me the treatment I needed to live. There is, there's nothing that the body of Christ can't do when we come together like that. How are we going to get our prodigals home? Our prodigals home, how are we going to do it? When we come together as a body of Christ. There's, that, that's a metaphor for how we are going to see our sons and daughters come home. CES ain't going to find them. The helicopter is going to fly over them twice and not see them, even with their infrared. Who found me? My brothers did. Who warmed me up? My brothers did. They gave me way better care than CES did. No offense to CES. Bo was the last one I saw in the ambulance, and it was the one I wanted to see. Bo, Bo Abbott was a superstar. Tobias Abbott was a superstar. And he, Tobias sent me a text message of an inspirational speech he had on YouTube, and he said that was what was going through his mind because they were, they were getting tired. Their bodies were saying, quit, and they were not going to leave without me. You don't realize you're loved <laughs> until something like this happens, and then you hear about basically thousands of people you hear about just dramatic reactions. I don't care if you had faith or you didn't have faith. The outpouring of love that was being put out that I had no idea about. I, had, I couldn't feel. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any idea is what saved my life. And, it, and it, didn't, it came at the moment when I was right there, circling the drain, seriously circling the drain, about to die, after hours and hours of just staying in one spot and enduring it was my brothers that came and saved me. It was your guys' prayers that saved me. Not one thing I did. I did everything wrong, obviously, to get to that point. It was, it was all this that did it. I shouldn't be here. I should have died at 4 o'clock p.m. before you, anyone knew I was missing. I wasn't going hunting. I was going for a walk. I did everything wrong, and you guys found me. How did, how, did Tobias, how did Tobias felt to go to this lake, the lake trail he was on, Greeby Lake? He just felt to. They heard a 22 shot. I, I fired my last 22 shot probably about 5 p.m. when my vision came back. I did three, did the SOS three shots twice, and then I ran out of bullets, and that was like 5 p.m. I had no bullets, but they heard a 22 shot. 
They were thinking about maybe trying somewhere else. Him and Bo were talking about it, and boom, they hear that 22 shot, and they say no. How did that happen? I didn't hear it. There wasn't drones, supposedly, but the drones are what I was yelling at that they heard. It's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that was caused by your guys' prayers. Not one thing I did. <laughs> I was miserable. <clears throat> and it wasn't about me dying and being scared of dying. It was about me, the stupid mistake and knowing it's not God's will and I'm going to see my wife again. I'm going to see my kids again. That's the only thing that was doing it for me and I couldn't even think about that. I just had to stink, just endure hell. But I wouldn't have done it without this. I would have died. I should have died. There's no reason I should be here. There's no reason I shouldn't be having medical problems. I have zero medical problems. I have a couple blisters on my feet. I was, the week before, I was bragging to Megan about how good the soles of my shoes are on these. And I destroyed them in one, in one walk through the woods. And so I stood in these destroyed boots for 12 hours, from 4 o'clock till they found me, roughly 4.45. I stood, and my feet never got cold. When the ambulance took off my boots, my socks were soaking wet, but my feet never got cold. Sharon, Sherry, how many other people prayed that I wouldn't be cold? They did. They prayed. My mom put her hair, took her hair down and said, God, I have never cut my hair. You're going to save my boy. You're going to send angels to minister to my boy. Sister Sherry took her prayer mat, put it right where I sit, and said, God, this is what's fixing to happen. How many people made those kinds of, took that, took that kind of a stand? Not to mention all the love I was shown by people that came out immediately looking for me. I hiked in the daytime. You guys were trying to do it at night. I couldn't imagine how terrible that was. And then just across the board, the reaction from the body of Christ in, the, in this entire world is so beautiful. I've, I've never, it's, it's overwhelmingly beautiful how quickly people got together for me. <laughs> me? It was all my fault. I'm there. It's all my fault I'm there. But you guys all got together for me. And you guys found me. You guys warmed me up. You guys saved my life. There's nothing the body of Christ is incapable of when we come together like you guys came together and we go looking, looking for the lost sons and daughters. There's not one thing you guys can't do. And it is powerful. We had choppers don't come in, in, in 24 hours. It's like a 24-hour period before a chopper will come. We had friends, the Pollards in Anchorage, hooked Megan up with a telephone number. She calls them, gets them in the air before the troopers can. No offense to the troopers. I'm not, I don't even care about the chopper didn't see me anyways. Brother Abbott believes I was, it was because I was covered in ice and my body temperature was so low that the infrared couldn't even pick me up. And my dog would have looked like a coyote just laying down. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> And I, ref I, refuse, I refuse to allow the mistakes I made to hinder the beauty and love that has been shown here by this entire world of the body of Christ. I'm telling you, I have a friend, Joe Carver. I've never met his wife. She sees on Facebook that I'm missing, and she prays and starts interceding for me until she finds out that I'm safe. And then she goes and tells Joel, I've never even met her. It's one thing for pray praying for five minutes, no, ten minutes, but all night long until you find out I'm safe. That was all of you. There was, that, was, that was so many people across 
all of Alaska for sure, and then just across the entire world with all my family, but church members. And they were speaking. My brother had zero hope. He was feeling what I was, what I was fighting. I was this close the entire time to death. And so he had no hope, but his daughters were like, he's going to live. He's going to live, Dad. No, you're wrong. He's going to live. There was, there was battles that were fought in the mind that you guys did on my behalf. How do you pay that back? But I just know, I just know that this is a revelation, a metaphor for how we are going to get our sons and daughters that are lost. How we're going to find them. They're standing without any hope. They're just living. That's all they're doing. They can't let hope come in because hope's a dangerous thing. Just like when I saw that chopper the second time, I thought I was being rescued and it went away. That shattered it. Couldn't get it back. They can't hope. We've got to find them. And when we get together, there's not one thing we can't do. Yeah. Bo and Tobias, are, they're part of this body. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, received the Holy Ghost. They're part of this body. They're the only ones that could have rescued me. I'm 100% I'm a, a convinced of that. And it took Bo, Bo standing up to the CES personnel and, and saying what he said to get a chance to even come look for me. And then once they started, they were not going to come out without me. <sighs> Ten miles, Toby said. Bo said I was pointed toward the Moose River. I had no hope, but I wasn't going to make it anyway. I was dying right then. Complete dreamland. Dream state of, and it was it's so amazing that I can still think or I can still remember it. It was that hug. I love you, man. It was like me and Bo never, it was like we had never, never stopped being best friends. It was like me and Toby had never stopped hanging out all the time. Just in that moment and that love that they showed me. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how much warmth that by itself brought me. Being taken care of like that by your, your brothers. When you had no hope, Matt, I had no hope. And I was, I was, I was dying. If, we, if I could write down the miracles and the things that shouldn't have happened that did happen. Because I started soaking wet. That's how I started to trying to survive. I started blind. I started without the ability to take a step. I didn't hurt my ankle. I'd, I would have dragged a broken ankle, trust me, if I could have continued walking. The newspaper is fake news. But I made the front page. No, just kidding. <laughs> But talking with Bo and Tobias, Bo said, like, I could care less what the article says. He said, the only thing I care about is that I'm talking to you on the telephone right now and that you're alive. That's the only thing I care about. I he said, I don't need any credit. I don't, I don't need a thank you. He said, I know you would do it for me. Why? Because he's my brother. That was an impossible situation. Impossible. The helicopter twice over top of me didn't see me. Technology failed then. It's impossible to find me, but my brothers did. 
There's not one missing son or daughter, not one. That will be impossible to find and rescue when we come together like that. I don't know how many thousands of people prayed for me. I have no idea. But I know, I, I know for a fact it was, even though I didn't feel anything. That was what made the difference. All the efforts you guys made, I, how could I ever repay that back? I heard sirens once. I don't know if it was the ambulance or the cop, but it sounded like it was on the highway and then Robinson Loop is what I was thinking. I, had, I, had no, I couldn't let myself think someone was coming to rescue me or so I would have died earlier. I had to just survive. That was my part. And then you guys, you guys did everything. You guys strengthened Megan. You, you guys, my, my mom had no faith that I was going to live, and she faked it with my kids. You know how much strength that would take? Sister Sherry came and hugged her, and they started to cry. She said, I can't do this right now. How strong were you guys? For me? What? It's the biggest miracle I've ever, ever, I've ever heard about. And it's the biggest coming together of the body of Christ I've ever heard about. I was part of, I was with, when, like, for example, when Eli Hernandez was dying, everybody was praying. I don't recall it being, like, such an immediate coming together of people. And that's what did it. Twelve hours with a fleece pants, with a, just a windproof, like, sweat jacket type of thing. Bo said it took all of his strength to get those mittens off of me because I was, I was frozen. It took all his strength to get those mittens I showed you to get him off so he could take my jacket off and put his on me. He said he, he literally frozen. I shouldn't be alive. But I am. Without frostbite. Without any problems. I've had pneumonia twice, August and October. I should at least have that, but I don't. God's going to do something great through this. He is. But it's also a, it is also a metaphor for nothing is impossible for the body of Christ finding lost sons and daughters. And no one else is going to find them. It's us. It's our brothers and sisters. They're going to find us. Find the lost ones. Not CES. Not the helicopters. It's going to be Bo and Tobias Abbott walking 10 miles, coming up to me and doing what I need to be saved, whether I agree or not. Just ignoring me when I was being crazy. They, w they wouldn't even respond to me. They did everything perfect. And I had no idea that all of you were doing what you were doing. And there's so many out there. They're just holding on. They're, in their minds are going... They're going, why didn't I backtrack and just start following my tracks back out? But it's too late. I have to just keep trying to make it out myself. And I don't even know where I'm going, but I'm, I'm going to keep going until I can't. Go blind. Can't walk anymore. Now you're just holding on with, without any hope. You're just going to live. No hope. Just got to keep your heart beating. And the body of Christ... I don't know how to say thank you. <laughs> the uh, love is overwhelmingly beautiful. And I'm still taking it all in. 
I'm still getting the timeline figured out. Like for, in, my, in, my, in my mind, we were by that fire for just a, a, he built it up three times and it was like a fast thing. I didn't realize it was 45 minutes before I could even start shivering. And then an hour and a half before we left, I had no idea. So I'm still getting all the timeline put together. The drones, I, I was 100% sure that had drones up, obviously not. So that was angels in drone clothing. <laughs> Orange, red, and blue. And it was, you know, in some ways, it set me up for failure, just kidding, for hope. But that, that drone is what I kept looking at, yelling at, and it would come down to me. Like, it, would, it, was, it was high up, but it would come down when I would start to wave at it, and that would give me, like, reassurance at that moment that, they're on, that it's real, it's there. And I would keep, I was, oh my goodness, it was, I was, it was agony. But here was Bo and to Toby were on the trail coming to me. <laughs> That's how we're going to do it. That's how we're bringing our sons and daughters home is we're going to go find them. We're going to join together in prayer and we're going to get them. We're not going to rely on CES. We're not going to rely on the choppers. It's us. And we're going to have what we need to take care of them, to save their life, to walk them to safety, to be the last one in the ambulance saying, Mike, are you okay? Everything good? That was, that was Bo. Bo's my hero. Toby's my hero. They've, I've always respected him, obviously. Me and Bo were lost in Kodiak when we were 15 years old or something. We would have died out there if we hadn't been rescued. And, uh, and so we had that experience together. And that, and that experience, the spotlight, the guy with the spotlight had gone right over us and then kept going and left. And we, so, so much despair. And he came back after we had been screaming more and then he saw us. And so for me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, history is repeating itself. When that chopper goes by me the second time, I was like, this is unbelievable. But it was Bo and Toby. <laughs> I can't say, I, I'm, I know I keep repeating myself. But it's just, it's just overwhelming. It wasn't about me dying. It was about me knowing it was my fault. And it was about me getting that, just that little confirmation that, yeah, it's not my will. Not that you're going to live, but that's all it took for me to be able to turn that transition into you're going to live, you punk, no matter what. <clears throat> and I know for a fact there's so many backsliders that are doing just that. It was my fault. I don't know how to get back. I'm just going to live without hope. Live. And we got to go find them. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord that we're celebrating life today. Praise God. <clears throat> Brother Levi, if you put up that scripture from Daniel, uh, the words of a heathen king acknowledging what God can do and, uh, and coming face to face with the power of the Lord and recognizing he's the one who delivers. He's the one who rescues. He's the one who does signs and wonders. Praise God. And I thank the Lord that he is the one that we put our trust in because, uh, because of your prayers, because of your desire to see the hand of God displayed, uh, I thank the Lord for this picture of uh, the results of how the Lord uh, stepped in. Brother Levi, if you'd put that picture up, 
Um, you stop and think. Mike uh, started on this, this little jaunt, um, just intending. It, it's just going to be a short time. I'm just going to be a, uh, go for a little while with my dog, do some training, do some uh, work in the woods, and then I'm going to jump back in my car and go back home. But that little, little trip developed into something far worse that could have ended in death. And thank the Lord it didn't. Yeah. Amen. But how often do people make that, that same mistake? I'm just going to take one drink. I'm just going to have one puff. I'm just going to pop one pill. I'm just going to click on one site. And then... The slide. But I'm thankful it doesn't have to end. It doesn't have to be a disaster, a catastrophe. It doesn't have to be something that ends up in a spiritual death, which is exactly what the devil is after. Thank God for the fire that can burn in a church. Thank God for the fire that can attract those who are cold and in the dark. Because the devil delights in coldness and darkness. And that's exactly where he wants to trap people. And then they're hopeless. And then they wonder, how did it get this bad? How did it get this far? What do I do now? And I'm thankful he's the one who rescues. He's the one who delivers. Now, there's something unique about the scriptures. You, you use a concordance in one of the new translations, and there's lots of occurrences of the word rescue. In the King James Version, which we're more familiar with, rescue doesn't appear very many times. You know why? Because the word that the modern translators translate as rescue in King James, is salvation. Salvation is what he brings. Salvation is what he provides. Salvation is going to be the outcome when he rescues. Praise God. And I'm thankful he doesn't, he doesn't stop short of the blessing that can come forth. I'm thankful that he continues on and, and provides for, for us a, a repentance. Mike repented. Lord, forgive me for being so stupid. Forgive me for being a, in, in, the, in the unprepared in the wrong place and all of that stuff. Repentance is so important to be able to ask God, please forgive me. Please change me. Please change these circumstances. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to die like this. God, please change me. That's repentance. That's what the Lord delights in. And then there's baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, like the Bible teaches, like the Bible says, like the Bible gives as the only example of baptism. And that water's ready. I got it ready, Brother Merle. Praise God. As I believe there, there are those who can respond today. Amen. And then receive the blessing of the Holy Ghost, that fire that's going to warm you up, that fire that's going to illuminate your way. 
that fire that's going to increase your survival. Praise God. And I'm thankful for the power and the blessing of the Lord. Again, the miracles. I don't know how the angels can make a, a sound like a 22 shot. I don't think they carry a 22, but I think they can make the sound. And that's what Tobias heard and said, this is where he is. He's in this area. Let's keep searching. Amen. Five degrees. That's what the temperature was reading on Lonnie's pickup. Five degrees for 12 hours. 12 hours, Mike stood in that five degrees. It just, and the fire that was there, it, 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 took, it took Bo 45 minutes to get those gloves and that coat off because they were frozen, frozen solid. And this, uh, whatever length of time it was. Okay. And then they gave him that, that uh, warmer coat and uh, on the uh, so that he can warm up a little bit enough to even walk to where the snow machines were going to pick him up oh my I thank God for he's a miracle worker a miracle worker and whatever your miracle is that you need God can do it today let's stand The rescues that we can read about in the scripture, God being good at rescues, he, he's, he's a champion at it. Daniel in the lion's den, the three young men in the fiery furnace, David, Peter, on and on, the examples go, God is good at rescue. I, I'm thankful the church is looking forward to being rescued one of these days. Amen. The church is going to be taken out of here into the presence of the Lord forever. Amen. And that's what we're getting ready for. When the Lord says, come up higher, I'm thankful that that's going to be the place that we're going to go and the power of God that's going to be displayed in such a wonderful way. I'm thankful for his love. I'm thankful for his blessings. I'm thankful for his touch, and I'm thankful for his promise, the presence of the Lord, and the goodness of God that can be displayed. Amen. Can we come together and pray just in a thankfulness, just in an appreciation, just in a gratitude? This is Thanksgiving weekend, and all oh, our thanks can be given to the Lord because of how good he is, because of how wonderful he is how powerful he is, and what he can do. Amen. To be ready, I know Mike is going to be ready anytime, any place. At this point on, he's going to be ready. Thank God. Not going to go out in the woods without a survival kit. Not going to go anywhere without the necessary things. How about you? Don't go anywhere without the Holy Ghost. Don't go anywhere without the name of Jesus Christ on you. Don't go anywhere without being covered by the precious blood of Christ. Hold on to those promises. Hold on to the trust that you have in the Lord. Hold on to the reality of the presence of the Lord. Can we praise Him together right now? Can we give Him thanks together? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ.